If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Thank you for playing that fabulous song. That's what I've titled today's message, Getting to Know You. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 22. We, uh, you guys excited about the Word today? Because, uh, you know, you get what you expect. You get what you expect. So expect big things because we serve a limitless God. Yes. Amen. Amen. You put demand on it, there is supply. Yes. There is supply. And uh, today, I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about getting to know you, and that is about you getting to know yourself. And you can't really know who you are until you find out what God has said about you. And Matthew 22 says, verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. Everybody say, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled. Let's say that together, all the law. All the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Interesting that this is all culminated to this one thought. The love God with all your heart, soul, and might, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul says it's one thing, love your neighbor as yourself, because it's really impossible to love your neighbor as yourself if you have not first received God's love for you, all right? So that is the, measure, that is the evidence or the proof that you have received the love of God and that you love God because you love others. John said it, you can't hate your brother and love God too. It just can't happen, all right? There's no... It's impossible. We've got to love one another, and that is showing or expressing our, the greatest thing, our love for God. Let me just pray for a moment. Father, I want to thank you for this time together under the influence of your word, and I declare what the Apostle Paul prayed, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ would be upon your people today. Thank you, Lord, that every good thing in our life has come from you. And as we receive your word today as we hear your word. We understand today the power of it, that it is life to those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. How do you love your neighbor? I thank God for the neighbors I have, just the ones down the street. I had just a couple weeks ago, my neighbor texted me and let me know that my front door was wide open and my dog had gotten out, and Heather and I were at work and the kids were at school, so I... uh, Rounded up my dog and threw him in the house and shut the front door. I don't have, know how that happened, but I thank God that somebody was looking out for me. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But, you, you know, that's how you, you show your love for them. Um, and, but you do that. According to the Scripture, it says how you love your neighbor is, is in direct proportion to how you love yourself. If you don't love yourself well, then you can't love your neighbor well. There are dads that aren't very good dads. 
husbands that aren't very good husbands. Wives that, well, is that possible? That a wife could be, nah. Church folks not getting along with church folks. Forget about what's going on in the world, just in the church. We got, we got problems. Because we love others as we love ourselves, and too many of us don't love ourselves very well. I'm going to help clear some things up, and I think help you today. Because if you love yourself, then this will help you be a better dad or mom. Help you be a better husband or wife or friend. You won't treat anything well if you despise that thing. If you deem it worthless, if you deem that it's of no value, then you just, you know, toss it in the corner, you throw it in the garbage, you don't really care what happens to it. But if you um, value something, you'll put it in a safe place. You'll put it up on a shelf for display. You'll zip it up in a bag. You'll, you'll do something to show your care and appreciation for it. Second Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is speaking and he says this, verse 20, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that is being a a dishonorable vessel, one of wood and clay, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and, everybody say, useful. Useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now I want you to understand that all of these vessels, whether they're useless or useful, they're all in the house. They're all in the house. That is, they all belong to God. Because He's the one that determines your value. He is the one to determine you by when he put a price on you, and that price was the blood of his own son being shed for your sins. I would say that's pretty valuable. Amen. And for us to say we're not worthy is not to really agree with God on that. He says, no, you are worth what I paid for. You're worth the death. You're worth Jesus taking that horrible beating up on his back and marching up that hill with that bloody cross and being nailed hands and feet to it so that you could see how I see you, so that you could experience the love that I have for you that is an everlasting love, that is unconditional, that I chose to love you no matter what. That's what the scripture says. God demonstrated his own love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait for us to get right because he knew we couldn't get right. So even in the midst of our loss, in our lost condition, he came and demonstrated love for us. I love this about God, that God took a great risk in this. He had no guarantees. He had no guarantees that anyone would even respond to this love because he had this law set up on planet earth that we had the power to choose. We're the only creatures on earth like that. We have the ability to choose, yes, we want a relationship with God, or no, we don't want a relationship with God. So God took the largest gamble of love, placed his son out there, allowed him to go through what he did, and the scripture says it pleased him to bruise him for us. And then waited for us to respond to it. To reach up by faith and say, I accept what God did for me. I believe that Christ died for my sins. I believe that he was buried and I believe he rose again from the dead three days later. And the scripture says, in doing that, 
You become a whole new creation in Christ. You're born all over. That's what it means to be born again. I know that's a churchy term, but it's, it's a it's an most important term for humanity. The greatest decision that anyone could ever make on planet Earth is the decision for Christ. Above anything. Because all this stuff is staying here. When you go away, your stuff ain't going with you. And maybe to your dismay, your children are going to drag it out on the driveway and sell it for pennies on the dollar. So there's something greater to be living for than accumulating stuff. But to actually have a true, real, authentic, genuine relationship with the God who created all things. And it's only found through the person of His Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. What He just said is, I'm it. There are not many ways. There's one way. I am not a way. I am the way. All right? God so loved the world that He gave His Son. All right? So don't buy into the lie that, well, this religion is good for this part of the world, and this religion is good for this part of the world, and this religion. No, God so loved the world that He gave the world His Son. All right? Whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. So we have a lot of work to do then. We have, we have a message to carry into this world, and it's a beautiful message. It's not one of repent. It's one of believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Call upon His name. Amen. You're getting some good preaching because I didn't have that in my notes there. All right. I want to just say, so I'm saying all that to say that your value was determined by God. All right? And your acceptance of His value will then cause you to want to be made useful. All right? Your usefulness depends on you. Yeah, you can be a lazy Christian. You can, you can not produce anything. And you'll be judged for your works, whether good or bad in the body. But Jesus is the one that secured your place in heaven forever. Amen. I'm grateful to God for that. So, and, and you'll, but you'll render yourself useless if you will not love and appreciate the value of being you. No one else can be like you. You're a masterpiece crafted by God Almighty. Amen. I mean, I don't care how you got here. Maybe mom and dad weren't intending on your existence, (laughs) but you got here anyway. Well, God had a plan. God didn't have any. You didn't take him by surprise. You didn't take him by surprise. So maybe you don't, maybe you have a difficulty loving yourself, and maybe you feel like that if perhaps you could be like someone else, then maybe you could be comfortable to love yourself. You know, if I could just be like so-and-so, if I could just be different. I was talking to a friend of mine um, some time ago. We were uh, raised together out in West Texas, and he's just a couple of years younger than me, and he was telling me that, he said, man, Eric, he said, I, I look at my life right now, and I am nowhere where I want to be. I'm just not, and I don't know what to do. He said, I'm thinking about you and your brother and your sister. And, you know, you're all doing well. You're all in the ministry and all your kids are serving God. And I'm still playing video games with the same guys I 
played with in high school. Still single. And uh, I said, are you, as a pastor should ask, are you going to church? He said, no, I have went a couple times in the summer. It's just hard to get back once you get out of the habit and been away for so long, it's hard to get back. It's difficult to get back in the habit. That's what he was telling me. And I said, yeah, I understand that. I understand. What's more difficult, though? Getting back in church or continuing to stay miserable and regretful and living an aimless life? I mean, somewhere along the way, you just got to pull up your cowboy boots and get moving again. Because now you have found yourself after all these years comparing yourself with somebody like me. God forbid, please don't compare yourself with me. (laughs) I said that there's no difference between you and I. We have the same Lord. We're both connected to God in the Spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I didn't get all the breaks, man. It's because I'm a pastor's kid did not automatically make my life great. No, I'm grateful for it. But I have friends who are pastor's kids that aren't serving God today. They hate the church. So that, that's, not the, that's not the way into a great life. I personally had an experience that changed my life. Now, I had an advantage, I believe, because my parents took me to church, drugged me to church. But I'm glad, I'm glad they did. Hated it then. But the longer I was there, the more I set myself up for an experience. The more I was in that atmosphere regularly. There's something about just being there. Just being there. Now, I've regretted some places I've gone. I've regretted some of the doors I've darkened. I've never regretted being in church. Ever. I've never come to church and left going, man, that was a complete waste of time. Wish I hadn't done that. I've always been blessed by the house. Blessed by being around God's people. And I was just telling him this. I said, man, I'm no different than you. I just stayed in it. Just stayed there, man. You just got to stay. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who goes to church has got all the answers and their life is perfect. Far from it. But if you go to one cause, that's very possible. Amen. Amen. We got, I mean, I've, I've got enough problems as it is being in church than going out looking for it somewhere else. Yeah. Amen? So I, I, I've decided, Heather and I both decided, we were going to stay in the house. We were going to raise our kids in the house. Uh-huh. You know, as imperfect as she is, she is what she is. And she is what God is doing in the earth. You know? Hallelujah. And I'm grateful to God to be a part of this church. You know, this church really is, is a special church. Because I have people tell me about some other churches that they attend where they're, they're not very friendly. And, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of legalistic preaching going on. I'm not saying we got it down perfect, but we're real close. Amen? I'm just, I'm just playing, guys. I'm, I'm just having fun up here. You have to forgive me. Um, Listen, Jesus himself had a custom. He had a regular custom of being in church. Now listen, if Jesus needs church, hmm? if, he, if he committed himself to be there, hey, come on. The Apostle Paul had a regular custom, being in church, being in, at a gathering with God's people. Amen. 
Good, healthy customs make for solid stability and growth. And over life, you have this thread of consistency. Because you understand, we're all works in progress. All right? We walk by faith. One step at a time. We walk by faith. But we have this promise from God that he who began that good work in us, he will be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful. God is faithful. The scripture says even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. I love this about our God. You know the term, you ever heard the phrase compare and despair? This is what this guy's doing with me. Telling me if I just had your situation, your life, then things would be better for me. I said, that's not true, man. Comparing yourself to someone else usually means that you imagine the other person is way better off than you, or they're more satisfied, or in a word, happier than you are. But here's the problem. You end up comparing what you know about your what you know about yourself, about your life, which is a menagerie of good and bad, with a fantasy of someone's supposedly perfect life. Why is it that we tend to do this? Because we know all about our own problems. We live with us every day. But the other people's problems, they're quite a bit harder to see, aren't they? So as a result, our life always tends to lose out. Leads to despair. Besides, there's probably someone comparing their life to you right now, thinking you got a better life than they do. So it's all pretty ridiculous, isn't it? The Scripture says, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Everybody shout out, by faith. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. When I think about walking by faith, why is it that we walk by faith? Something I've spent a lot of time pondering and meditating on. Why? Why by faith? What's the point of it? And the only conclusion I can come up with is that God wants you to live a huge life. Yeah. Amen. I mean, you can live your life for yourself and do okay. People do it every day. But there's this life that God wants to be connected. Faith is your total reliance on Him. That you pull God into your situation say, I can do this, but I know that you are endless. You are limitless. I want what you have to offer in this situation. I don't want to just conjure up what I can do in my own strength, with my own ability, with my own education. I need your supernatural in this natural world. I need your help, your excessive supply, your abundance, your healing power, your grace. I need this in my life. And Jesus taught us something really powerful. And in, in Mark chapter 11, he said, have faith in God. Those are four words that ought to be tattooed on our hearts and minds. Maybe even on our arm. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And then he gives us a picture of what faith in God looks like. He begins to illustrate for us what faith in God looks like. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. That's big. I'd say that's pretty huge. This is what faith in God looks like. Say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And I think, Jesus, you just talked right over my head. Because I am nowhere near that. But yet he does not offer that 
my excuse is okay. He's saying these things so that faith will come and we can rise up and grab a hold of what he has said. Mm -hmm. See, I don't need, I don't need one more positive thought in my life. I need his thoughts. Because if I'm going to try to love me based on what I know about myself, <laughs> it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. I have to love me for who he says that I am. And that's going to take faith to do it. That's going to take faith to really understand why I'm here. What is my purpose? What is this design about? Because if I can love me right then I can certainly be right at loving others. As you love yourself, have faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain, I love that, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that whatever he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Just listen to this. Jesus said whatever things you desire when you pray. Oh, oh okay. Well, I, I don't know if I want that much responsibility. I think I want to pray a good religious prayer like, Lord, I just want what you want. Bless me in a special way. I just want what you want. And God's saying, yeah, but I want what you want. Yeah, I want what you want. Yeah, but I want what you want. Oh, Lord, I just want thy will be done. I'm telling you, it is my will to give you what you want. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it, and you shall have it. See, here's the thing. This has been the weakness of the church, to put all kinds of conditions on that limitless expression made by Jesus. Yeah, but, 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 yeah, but you can't just go do whatever you want. The religion, it just starts talking. Right? Let's just let Jesus' word hang out there long enough so that our faith will come up and say, Can this be true? Can I live this kind of life? Can I be like Joshua who stood and said, Sun, stand still, and God just, Urgh! Now, the, you know, we know the earth actually stood still, but whatever happened, the whole solar system stopped because one man was daring enough to believe that anything's possible. faith in God. Jesus said another limitless thing. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open. Period. Oh yeah, but you can't just ask for anything. Yeah, but you know, but, 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 but. Shut up. Have faith in God. Grab a hold of that limitless proclamation, hallelujah, and believe God that all things really are possible to him who believes. Rise up in faith. Walk by faith. Act like your whole life depends on this God. How long can we strive in our own strength and be satisfied when there's something in our hearts as believers that cries out, I'm more than a conqueror. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am loved by God with an everlasting love. That, that must mean that I've got to do something big. Something large has got to happen in my life if this great God chose to look at me and love me and give himself for me. Yeah. 
What else can I do but return faith to God and say, do it. Know who you are by what he has said about you. Later on down in that chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Y'all know what it means when the preacher looks at his watch? Nothing. (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. The scripture says, For he he made him who knew no sin. Oh, I can't get over this. Why God? Oh, that was 21. I'm sorry. Why God would love us so much to do this for us. Let's look at 21, 2 Corinthians 5. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. To be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, it's not man's actions that condemn him. It's man's condition that condemns him. You're not a sinner because you do sinful things. You're a sinner because you're born that way. (laughs) That's why you have to be born again. Not the action, the condition. So Jesus became the condition called sin. And then your condition changed from one of sin to righteousness. He didn't just give you the ability to do righteous things. He made you the righteousness of God in Christ. And that branch, that trunk began to influence the branch. To new fruit. To living fruit. Mega fruit. Hmm? Think about this. It's one of the saddest things to me. One of the saddest things to me is that the good news does not really get preached enough. The good news gets preached, but it's always with conditions. Because that's how the good news in our world is. Right? That's how it is. Like, you, you think you're hearing something good, and then you hear the phrase, if it sounds too good to be true, come on. It probably is. All good things must. That's the way of the world. But not as a believer. The Scripture says that Christ has become our high priest of the good things to come. That means they never run out. You ought to expect good and only good. Amen. Only good. That even if something is going wrong in your life, the Scripture says God is able to take that and turn it around for good. He's able to make all things work together for good to those who love Him or are called according to His purpose. So His end, His, His mission for you is good. His plan for you is good. Hallelujah. So then we've got to have an expectation of the good and not buy into the lame philosophy of this world and what this world can offer, which is a good that comes to an end, a good that has a condition to it. The gospel does not have conditions. The gospel has one condition, and that is that you simply believe it, that Christ did everything. Christ Jesus did everything for you so that you could have a real relationship with God if you'll just believe that he died for your sins. That he was buried and he rose again three days later. Because what good is it going to do if I'm looking out into an ocean from a shore and I see a man drowning out there. And I mean that man is drowning. He's sucking water and air at the same time for me to go, hey, 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 you need to confess first that you're drowning before I can help you. Hmm? 
Is this going to help this guy? You got to turn. You got to turn out there. He needs something greater than this. Hmm? He needs to be saved. He can't save himself. So then I take a lifesaver and I throw it out there. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. Believe on him and receive everlasting life. That is the message that saved. The gospel is the power to save men. Hallelujah. The condition changes. They become a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. I love this. And our God never gets old. That's what's so cool about him. He never gets old. We're looking at that person in the mirror. It's getting old. But our inward man is being renewed day by day. God is a spirit being. He's not bound by the limits of time and space, yet he is forever. Before time was, and when time ends, there is God always and forever. And faith sees you in him right now. Faith sees you in him right now. That way you can stop judging yourself. Stop condemning yourself. Stop beating yourself over and over again. And just accept his love for you. Hmm. Believe God. Have faith in God. You need another person. It is, the, it, is, it is the God perspective of your life. I want to just help you here for just a moment. And it really, if you're going to love, you need to get to know you. Who are you? Can I help remind you today a few things that God has said about you? Two of you? Okay, well, all right, I'll go with that. I got two. The truth is you are who God says you are. Okay? You are loved by God. That's what the Scripture says. You are more than conquerors through Him who loved you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are holy. That word holy, I looked it up. It means holy. Looked it up in the Greek. It means holy. It's a great word. Deep, profound. You are blameless. See, the great thing about Christianity is that Jesus gets the blame for what we did or have done or will do. God blamed his son for it, and he was willing to take it so that you would go free. You are a child of God. These are things God has said about you. You are the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. You are the redeemed. You are a saint, no longer a sinner. No matter how you dress it up, religious one, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, 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 you're a saint. Just get that in your mouth. That's what God, God didn't tell you you're a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but now you've been saved by grace. Those are two totally different experiences. You're a saint. You are kings and priests. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are living stones in the house of God. 
You are the children of Abraham. That is, you are blessed and you will be a blessing. You are Jesus in this world. The scripture says, as he is, so are we in this world. You are favored by God. There used to be all kinds of Israelites and Hittites and Jebusites. Now there's just favorites. Hallelujah. You are the healed of God. You are the anointed of the Holy Spirit. You are free for he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You are powerful. Why? Because he gave you his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the expression of the power of God. You are one spirit with God. There is no separation. Once you are joined to him, there, there is no difference. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's own masterpiece. You, ladies and gentlemen, you are the church of the living God. This is what the scripture says about you, and you're not going to experience that truth until you believe that truth. And when you believe that, hey, you can love you some you. Won't you just give yourself a big hug right now? Come on, just do it. Say, oh, I love you. Come on. Love you. Because you're in Him. And old things are gone. And new things have come. So no longer try to love yourself through the flesh. You won't do it. The real you is the inner man. The inner woman. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I thank you. For this time in your presence, and I thank you for your word here that has come to us, God. We thank you for the amazing gospel of Christ. Thank you for this message that saves us. It has the power to save those who believe. You said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever believes on him will never be put to shame. So we exalt the risen Savior today. And we thank you that you died for our sins, Jesus. They buried you in a tomb, but you rose from the dead three days later. And now you're seated next to your Father, our Father, <laughs> making intercession for us. I want to invite you today, if you came in here without God in your life, don't leave here without Him. He's seeking you out. He is loving you today and saying, let me come into your life. Accept what I have done for you. Accept my son's sacrifice and be free today. Because God has long-term plans for you to be with you forever and ever and ever so that even when you pass away here on the earth, that all you do is step right into eternal life. And that's really when you begin to start living. Now, if you're in this building today with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, between me and you and God, if you would say, Pastor Eric, today I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. I need that life that he offers. I want to know God, not as the man upstairs or the judge of the universe, but as a God who sought me out with love 
and pursued me with everything he had by giving his son for me. I want that life. I want to know that God. Are you here today? Just by slipping up your hand, I want to pray for you right where you are. Say, I want Jesus in my heart. Thank you very much. I need Jesus in my life. I want to know when I pass from this earth into eternity that heaven is my secure home and God is my Father. I want to just invite you today to just pray together. If we could just all do this together. Let's just pray this simple prayer. God, I confess right now I need Jesus to save me from my sins. I believe that he did that when he died for me. I believe he was buried and I believe he rose from the dead three days later. So right now, I claim my reservation in heaven through Jesus. I thank you. From this this day forward, I belong to God and Jesus is Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Today, I want you to I want to challenge you to drop the weights from your life, carrying burdens, guilt, regret, stuff that you're not made to carry. Jesus said, come to me, those of you who are weighed down. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. My yoke is My burden is light. Take what I have to give you. Give me your stuff. And take my life. A life that is abundant. A life of blessing. Peace. So I want to encourage you today. Those of you t- today who have been struggling, you've been measuring your love for yourself by your performance in this flesh. Shine that stuff. Get in Him. Get in Him. Get to know you in Him so that you can love others as you love yourself today. Amen. In Jesus' name. Pastor Brandon, come dismiss our family. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.